last time on D&D. Just remember, though, we come back with your trinket. Hot goods. She nods again. Now that you've given it some space and distance, you wonder if you could have pushed a little bit more, but it seemed like you backed out of the room a little too quickly. I don't deal with stolen goods, but if you see my buddy Whist, you tell him he's not working for me anymore. Figured you guys would be back, and now you come looking for a job? My, 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 you send me through a loop. Looking at his new hired hands. He and I are both wondering if we just made a powerful ally or a bitter enemy. Orange Eyes presents a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign. DM'd by Alex LaFerrier. Starring Andrew Gallagher playing Erd. Ian Selig playing Garum. And John Selig playing Graf. Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War, Season 1. You're becoming more familiar with the small outpost of Salvation. You've learned longer streets and bigger blocks. Salvation is nothing compared to the magnificent cities of former Sire, which makes the rabble's preparation for the job ahead swift and diligent. During the replacement and stocking of water skins and rations for the journey ahead, Erd and Garum find themselves at Uther's Bakery, spending little time and even less coin on some of the provisions he has promised. You both can't help but see the stout dwarf slave heartily over his store for his wife and three kids. They seem odd here in Salvation, and yet they do not even acknowledge the prior encounter you all had, though they do wish to see you both again. Graf discovers Thorn's provisions, an odds and ends sorts, run by an odd man on his last ends. Eric's an elderly human with deep wrinkles and a wreath of pipe smoke around him and his rocking chair sits in his open floor plan shop. His peaceful presence speaks volumes. He's seen miles and miles around Corvair, and his shelves bear the proof. Even seeing someone like Graf does not startle Eric's one bit. And with that, Graf gathers his supplies. Do you guys spend the night at Salvation Hotel? Or are you guys heading out right away? I I think we should spend the night. Because uh, we're just we're just coming back from going back and forth, so I think a, a rest would be worth it. Yeah, personally, um, unless if you guys, because last time their experience in the gray was really challenging, so I think having the advantage of a, a night's sleep would be worth it. Um, and this doesn't seem like the most pressing thing to get done immediately. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, it sounds good to me. You plan one last night's rest, as best as the Salvation Hotel can muster. Orion, the silent, thin gnome front desk attendant, preps you a room in watered-down potato soup again. It would be a short exchange if not for the same group of mixed company led by the stout, plump woman with a purple scarf over her shoulder. You think you've seen her briefly at the salvage market. They call for Orion constantly and beg for his attention, as if to disrupt your stay and prolong the transaction. By the time you make for your room, they seem erupt with laughter and guffaw. The next day you find yourself at the edge of salvation, where the fog of the Mornland looms. With Zodor's directions, you're about to head off into a different entry point towards the artillery piece he described. That's when Garum hears an interesting call. About to leave town, cowboy? And you can see off in the stone quarry in the edge of town, this blonde-haired woman 
from your first stay at Salvation. Busting stones. Becca the blacksmith. She's the one that sold you the arrows and gave you three simple rules to follow. Are you leaving Salvation again? Yep, doing another job. Thought I would see you after you came back. What around town is you guys are some brave adventurers. Must be my arrows that I gave you. <laughs> They're very helpful. Haven't run out yet. I'd be lying if I say I don't wish to see you again. Haven't quite got your whole story yet. Oh, well, we'll be back. Don't worry. Well, you come back now, you're here. And with that, she tosses you a quiver of five arrows. These arrows are a little bit special, though. They'll work normally, but they have a very unique property. I call them whistling arrows. You can easily cover up the shaft to stop the whistling property, but otherwise they'll let out a high-pitched shriek if you're ever in danger. I want to see you back here again, cowboy, all right? Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. With that, she picks up her sledge and begins busting her stones again. Hmm, Garam, she seems uh, especially uh, happy to see you around here, huh? I'll take it. Seems like you're making some good friends, yeah. Doesn't bother me. As you guys push through the fog of the Mornland, voices and whispers circle around you. Erd's listening deeply to these whispers to see if he can pick out any familiar voices that he heard before or you know, something, something in common here. The voices all sound muddied together, but it feels like you hear familiar voices from your past. Maybe someone that owed you money in Sire. Erd starts all of a sudden is hit back to his, you know, past few years on the run in the wrestling circuit and having uh, this one particular uh, bet maker chasing him out of a bar uh, for being derelict of his bets. And he just hears that voice kind of pounding his ear. Uh, it might have been in a subconscious before, but it's you know now back out there full front after hearing these voices. This fog brings up strange things in each of you. It's this thick membrane that you have to penetrate through before actually entering into the Mornland and every time you walk through this it just feels like you're pushing through ooze despite it being air thin fog I don't think I'll ever get used to that definitely not but maybe if I Erd kind of like takes you see both of his fingers go into his ears and he just starts la, 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 like making noises to himself trying to like drown out any of the noises to see if there's anything that could be done to, to stop this. Despite your physical efforts, the voices still emanate within your head. Erd feels slightly better by doing this, even though it has no effect. <laughs> As you push through the Mornland membrane, you eventually find yourself within the Mornland. This time, your eyes have adjusted to the surrounding, and what you have seen before is a dimly lit illuminated landscape is now shrouded in complete darkness. A dry storm seems to rage in an uncomfortable dark sky. Uh, I thought this was unformidable last time and then uh, this crap's happening. Uh, yeah, this is different. I don't know why you two are surprised. I don't even know what to expect in this damn place. Erd kind of takes out his finger, you know, the same one that was in his ear and licks it and just kind of puts it up to see if you can get like a, a, a feel of the weather or what's happening. It's definitely a stale air that hits your finger. Uh, some stale air, but this isn't quite like anything I've experienced. This place is funky. Let's keep on pushing, guys. What are we looking for here? Uh... According to Zodor's direction, 
the artillery piece shouldn't be more than a day's walk from the direction he pointed you in. It's different than the conductor stone trail that you've taken. It's far more open landscape than a detailed path. But the size of this artillery piece should be enough to see if you had some decent light. Well, I guess we press on. So it's like super dark right now? Like, like is it pitch black or is it like we can still navigate? But it's clearly like there's a storm rolling in. If it wasn't for the small flashes of light because of the lightning, you wouldn't be able to see anything. So would this be characterized as dim light or darkness? It is unlit and dark. Yeah, I have dark vision. I think we we probably all do. (laughs) Yeah, I do have dark vision, yep. I also. One of the benefits of our (laughs) our rebel group (laughs) of misfits. Yeah, you guys are like Navy SEALs. Yeah. Seen in the pitch dark. (laughs) Due to your dark vision, you're able to intensify the strands of light that exist within the darkness and illuminate the, the way before you. It adds this even bleaker lens of lack of coloration as everything is now through this gray monochromatic lens. I guess this place really lives up to its name again, the gray, huh? We weren't joking. Well said. Before we go, like, um, Erd looks around and tries to see if there's anything navigation-wise that, that we could use as a group. Um, it's, I mean, the sky's completely grayed out, and is there anything else around, like, uh, markers or milestones or anything else that we can, like, we're going to know on our return, like, where we're going? There are no markers to mark the way. Erd looks around and sees no markers or indications of anything, and onward, guys, let's go. Just like the last time. And we head off. So you ready yourself, and you start heading deeper into the Mornland, encased by this lightning. As you trudge through the Mornland, the weather worsens. The clouds darken more than usual, and streaks of silent silver lightning lash the sky. After a couple hours' travel, a stab of angry lightning illuminates the artillery piece on the horizon, a huge cannon angled at the sky. Do you see that? Erd catches the, uh, the lightning go off and the brief glimpse of the artillery piece. Yeah, I, I think it's over there, that, that giant thing, that thing right there. As he's pointing off into the distance. Do, 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 do you see it, Graf? Do you see it? Graf just nods. Perhaps at one point this thing was channeling some sort of deep elemental power, lobbing bursts of magic energy across the battlefield. Now it looms like some sort of grim marker signaling some sort of destruction and death. Graf just like keeps staring at it. Maybe sometime we could scrap this big thing and uh, get some real power, guys, huh? That might be pretty cool. One job at a time. Set some goals. Half orc can dream. Graf just nods. And with another crackle of lightning, the battlefield before you seems to be flecked with these strange stones. These brilliant stones glint and shine in the surrounding darkness like wisps of lost souls. Erd kind of stops in his tracks and holds out his arms and stops his compatriots too uh, at the sight ahead of us. And you see these pox of blast marks just littering the ground. You could easily dive down into them and hide. I think we should just try and get closer to the artillery. And maybe we just sneak our way around these rocks and slink around and get to the artillery and uh, see what happens. Good idea, Erd. So we're going to start making our way around, I think. And maybe we don't, uh, maybe we don't pass in between these rocks. How about we like 
go around and then to the to the artillery piece to almost like circumnavigate the the, the pieces. Or it's like I don't feel comfortable walking near these things. Let's try to let's try to beat around the bush a little bit, or beat around the glowing stone. As you approach the base of this artillery piece even more, you see bound at the base of this tower of power are captured members of a salvage crew. Their bodies are lashed together into a grotesque work of art, forming a sculpture of flesh. It looks like a terrible scorpion with a silver arrow as its tail. Yikes. A pair of small mutated humanoids lurch around the effigy, poking the captives with their spears. One of these creatures has this other person in their claws. He's writhing about in pain. What am I looking at? Well, I think we found the arrow. I wonder if that whist guy has one of these poor saps. If anyone rolls an intelligence religion check, they may be able to identify more. You can roll it untrained. You just won't get your proficiency bonus. Six. That's what I rolled. Literally rolled a one. You're all completely shocked and awed at these terrible, grotesque creatures. Words can't describe what these things are. They look mutated and mangled. Never mind the creature that they've lashed together out of these poor souls. This salvage crew that seems to be taken. Did Joanna do this? Is this the dogs? You definitely see this arrow of truth lashed uh, as the tail of this crazy flesh scorpion. And these, you see these creatures hold up this other captive soul. And out of just fear and frustration, you just see his form change. Before you know it, you see this acolyte of the silver flame, probably Jaren. You see a female bartender. You see a blacksmith of different sorts. You see someone that you've recognized from salvation. This person is shit changing their form just out of fear. And this crazy, twisted, mutated creature just stabs this changeling right in the throat as blood erupts and he throws the mutated body to the other mutated creature who lashes it as a final piece in this strange, twisted, mutated abomination. Well, that would be our buddy Whist, huh? What is making that thing move? With that, the twisted scorpion body writhes to life as the arrow of truth just rises in the air, glinting in the lightning. The twisted flesh scorpion consumes these monsters that just have given this thing life. Can we run away if we want to? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I don't think we want to. How many bodies do you think it is? Including Wist, probably seven bodies. So it's probably pretty sizable. We can handle seven people in one. I'm worried about what's creating it. How deep are those holes? About 10 feet deep. Okay, watch out for the holes. So Graf sees this creature and there's like a weird glint in his eye and like the slight hint of a smile. And he's like kind of morbidly fascinated and like ready to go up and start attacking it. Well, if we need that arrow, it seems to be attached to that tail. So uh, I think you guys know what we need to do. Ezra takes out his great axe, getting ready to go. I ready my bow and I look around and I'm just think, well, I guess we have no other choice. Get those whistle hour arrows ready. Don't underestimate this thing. All right, let's roll initiative. Erd, feeling primed from battle and prepared after that night's sleep, rolls a 17 for initiative, and he's ready to fight. 12. Uh, I rolled an 8. Erd, you're up. 
Is are these rocks? Are you able to take cover behind these rocks? Are they are they tall enough off the ground? Yep, they'll provide you half cover, which grants you a plus two bonus to your AC. Okay, so he's not really close. I want to get close to one of those rocks in the middle, uh, as close as I can, and I want to take another action. Everyone, make an intelligence investigation or Mason's tools. Seven, also a seven. Fifteen. Erd, as you bolt through the battlefield, ducking and weaving in between these giant craters, trying to get as close to these strange, rugged crystals, you notice that the structural integrity of the artillery piece looks fairly weak. If one were to stand next to it, you could use your action to collapse the barrel in a line, and anything underneath that barrel would probably take a significant amount of damage. Erd, as he's like powering through the battlefield, has like out of the corner of his eye, catches the artillery piece and just has a vision and, and just sees how weak it is and, and imagines himself pushing it over. And he turns back to his uh, compatriots, Graf and Garam, and yell, That thing can be pushed over real quick. Keep your eye on that. And he pushes, points over to the artillery piece that's kind of scraggly and falling apart as he's running towards the rock for cover. That was just a regular thirty, uh, just regular thirty foot move. Uh, so there's the uh, the the scorpion dude out there, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pop off a arrow shot at him to see if I can get his attention and the uh, you know get a little bit of damage in. Five. Your arrow flies wide and you miss it completely. Erd seeing this miss shot, it's just the norm for him, and he looks at his bow and just kind of shrugs. Or just looks back and says, ah, just trying to distract him, guys. You take care of it. And points forward. Graf. So when you say that it could be, you know, we could make it crumble and, you know, hurt that thing. Tell me more about what it looks like. Do I have to get over there and do something to make that happen? Or do I, can I do it with a projectile? Like, tell me a little more detail. You would have to apply significant force to the cannon to try to tip it in a certain direction. If you would apply it from the direction you're standing now, you'd push it back, obviously, away from the corpse sculpture. Okay. So it needs significant force pushing toward the monster. In order for it to fall like a tree, yeah. Yeah, okay. See, I'm going to move closer while staying sort of behind one of these rocks for cover. And then I'm going to use um, expeditious retreat to give myself haste. So I make sure I'm safe behind a rock. Look at Erd look at Garum and I just snap but I'm like it's kind of weird because I'm trying to kind of snap but I'm kind of trying to do it quietly like a jazz snap so this thing just filled with this terrible mutated evil power just starts freaking out and sensing you guys heads towards your location it's just going to take the artillery piece out of the equation you still think the cannon could reach it from this distance? Really? Definitely, yeah. It's it's that tall? Oh, yeah. It's like 50 feet tall. Wow. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Damn. This is a huge cannon just lining the borders of former Sire. Oh, wow. Yeah. This, this thing could shoot elemental energy for, you know, like a mile. Damn. It looks so small on the map. It's because it's pointed up. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, exactly. Um, Does it still seem like it's in functioning order? I mean, it's it's toppling over, so you probably couldn't rattle another shot off of it. Right. Okay, that was hopeful. Graf and Garum, you notice as this writhing mound of flesh starts lumbering towards you guys, 
the ground around it is dough-like. Like squishy? Yeah, the way this thing is channeling dark energy for its existence, it seems to be pulling it up from the ground as well as the soil around it turns to this dough-like consistency. It would probably be very tough to get up to it. It would be Essentially, it counts as difficult terrain if you're going to try to get closer to it. Fantastic. Garam. Well, I'm a little bit worried about what it's been doing and how it looks. But I'm going to get a little bit closer to it. I'm going to try and shoot it with a, a regular arrow. 16. Your arrow penetrates the twisted hide. Roll for damage. My arrow flies and it stabs in, doing seven points of damage. I think I got it, guys. Let's keep it up. Erd. Erd's not quite sure what to do after seeing the soil around this beast turn to dough and it's rethinking his strategy of just going up and smacking it on the on the face. Uh he's just gonna move up. Uh Take a little bit more cover uh, and pop off another arrow shot and see if this thing comes to him. So he pulls back his arrow or his bow, the string, and thunk, set off one more shot. Hopefully a little bit more lucky this time. 17. Oh, you know what, guys? This is all dim light. I have it there at the bottom. So you all have disadvantage. We have dark vision. A monster with dark vision can see in the dark within a specific radius. The monster can see in dim light within the radius as if it were bright light. And can see in darkness as if it was dim light. Right, meaning you have disadvantage on anything beyond 20 feet. So this thing's beyond 20 feet, so roll again. You have disadvantage. Garam, you get a pass. Because I just remembered now. 15. The arrow whizzes through the darkness and strikes the creature. Roll for damage for seven damage as well. So Erd pulls back his bow and he just, it seems like all these missed shots that he's taken over the past few days, he's found the, the corrections, he lines up his fingers in a certain way and you see him just let go of the bow of, of a certain type of confidence you've never seen before as this arrow lands true into the beast. And he's pumped up. Yeah! Graf. Graf just sort of like quietly like to himself, like, nice work, Erd. You got it. Okay, I kind of fucked up last turn. I thought Expeditious Retreat didn't take effect. The exact text is, this spell allows you to move at an incredible pace when you cast a spell, and then as a bonus action on each of your turns, you can take the dash action. So you can move three times. Exactly. So I could move all the way up to the thing this turn. That's what I'm saying, but I want to see if there's a way I can do it. You can make it. 80, 85, 90. Okay, yep, I can get there. Graf's entire body begins to glow with an orange aura, and you can see just out of the corner of your eye, he just like lightning flies up right to where you guys have been looking all along. He's now standing behind the artillery, ready to push it over. When the time comes. Damn, Graf, you can move quick when you want to, huh? <laughs> Graf's too far away to hear you because he moves so fast. I see Graf make it over there somehow and still a little bit unsure about exactly how he managed to do it. I call over to Erd and I warn him, it looks like Graf's in position. You better get out of the line of that cannon. Okay. 
I'll keep this thing busy in the meantime. Ha! Bird laughs. Garam, you manage to say that because you see Graf on the mound where the artillery piece is positioned. With a burst of lightning, you see his silhouetted figure putting his hands on the cannon, ready to push. Graf, as you get into position, you see deep into one of the blast marks two more of these writhing figures that sacrificed Wist. They seem to be crawling out and probably reach the surface in about a round. We got company. Which way should he push that damn thing now, huh? Still Still onto the the horrible flesh scorpion. (laughs) As the corpse scorpion starts writhing its way towards Erd, the ground around it starts becoming thick with mud and Erd feels the ground beneath his feet sinking. Also, as he's getting closer, he sees the writhing faces of these bodies stitched together, their arms and legs all sewn up and their faces whipping back and forth. The sight is so horrific. Garum. Oh, boy. Well, this doesn't look good. Hopefully, Graf can take care of the scorpion. Are those two things, like, able to be seen? Not from where you are. So they're still, like, below the surface? Yeah, and there's a slight hill here. Okay. Uh, Then I shoot the scorpion. Everything looks kind of dark and weird, and I'm standing on the edge of this pit, and I'm a little unsure, but I... Pull back the bowstring and try to take a shot. Twelve. With disadvantage? Yeah. Your arrow flies through the night again and strikes the corpse scorpion. Roll for damage. Somehow I'm able to get the arrow just into the perfect place and it deals 11 points of damage. Right in the eye of one of the faces. As the wriggling bodies just look at you with twisted horror... Roll a wisdom saving throw. Erd looks at these writhing faces and is he, he he's never seen anything like this and is like uh, confused and, and disoriented and he rolls a five. Your mind is in a tizzy as you're just so shocked by the sight before you. Guys, <laughs> you can't take any reactions until the start of your next turn and roll a d8. And remember that next turn. We'll wait in anticipation. Graf. Do it. Do the thing. Come on, give me something. Lightning in the sky. Corpse creature in the distance. What's Graf do? I'm going to knock this thing down. I'm going to say, clear, and push it, and hope my friends get out of the way, and hope the scorpion's too slow and creepy to be able to do it. He looks downhill at the scorpion corpse monster just wriggling peristaltically toward Erd, and he's concerned for his friend who's shown a remarkable degree of both bravery and intellect today. An uncharacteristically large amount of that, actually. Um, So Graf says, I can do this, and he thinks, do I use magic for this? And he says, no. And he just trusts himself, that same glow still upon him. He heaves his whole body into this towering cannon. Boom! just keeps throwing his body into this cannon. Does it again. With all his might, pushes it downhill. In the sky, this metal cannon just flexes and bends underneath your weight. Swings its way down. At this moment, we will have Erd reveal his D8. 
from being stunned. What number is it? One. <laughs> With a one to four, the creature does nothing. As the tower collapses and crushes both the scorpion monster and Erd. <laughs> with enough crushing damage to squash the scorpion monster underneath its cannon and deals nine points of damage to Erd. I'm imagining you, like, half sinking into the mud with this thing on top of you, like... Erd looks over to Graf and sees him pushing over the the artillery piece, and he's excited, in his mind at least, but he's also still really confused. And as it comes down, pushing... You know, getting closer and closer to him in his stunned action, he reflects, his reflexes kick in, and he kind of tries to seem like he can hold it up to try to catch it, but it just completely collapses under his weight as the squishy sand around him pushes him even further down, and he gets crushed by it and just smushed. Uh, you can still see his, his body moving a little bit underneath the rubble as he's being pushed in to this squishy sand. It's as if the dough-like dirt beneath you has given you somewhat of a little bit of a cushion to be pressed into it, so you don't take as much damage as the corpse sculpture did. And you hear his screams coming out from underneath and, you know, you don't know how he's doing, but he's he's not feeling well, and you see some, some blood kind of around. And with that, these two creatures come up from the pit. I, uh, I just want to point out that I actually still have another action. All right, I'm going to use Witch Bolt on the one closest to me. Feeling all charged up from lowering a 50-foot cannon onto a scorpion monster, Graf quickly snaps his head to the right and catches one of these Dolgrims out of his eye, and he just raises his hand, two fingers, and Witch Bolt right at the one on the right. So a crackling blue bolt snaps forth from his hand, Fast, faster than even Graf was expecting. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's going to be a 19 to hit. You hit. Nine damage. Your magical energy adds another bright flash of light to the battlefield, and the Dolgrim explodes in a pile of blood. And you can see that Graf is still there, concentrating on the spell, and there is still this crackle of blue energy around him, around the corpse of this Dolgrim, and in the air between them. Garam, you're seeing this silhouette battle happening on the top of the hill here as Graf is just lighting up other things on the other side of the hill. This Dolgrim starts rushing at you in the darkness and you can see he's carrying this morning star of twisted rock and he just starts clubbing at you with a fury. What's your armor class? Uh, 17. With the speed of your magic around you, you manage to shuck and jive each of these attacks as he in a flurry of blows tries to hit you, but you manage to avoid all three Morningstar attacks. So he's just like channeling the lightning and just like slight movements automatically as these Morningstars happen and his eyes don't even change. He's staying focused. It looks like Graf has everything under control, so I'm going to come over here and try to see if I can get access to the Silver Arrow on the end of the tail, see if that's poking out through the end of the cannon. You can definitely see the silver arrow is half in the dirt, half crushed by this corpse sculpture, and the body is still kind of writhing with whatever dark energy's left. Would I be able to take a swing and like try to sever the arrow from the end of the tail? You'd have to hack at it, cutting up the calf muscles and the legs that seem to have been making this weird scorpion tail. I start hacking. 
so Erd is pinned underneath the ground and and this uh, toppled artillery piece and he kind of takes a second and realizes he's still breathing but he has some crushed parts of his body and uh, and is bleeding in some areas and he's kind of checks himself and once over and realizes he's still alive <sighs> survived another one huh as he try to like take some of the rubble off of the top of him and push himself up and as he pushes himself up different pieces of metal start falling off and scraps of the artillery piece and he kind of hunches over and just starts <coughs> coughing and you see blood run down his face and he's not doing too well and pats a little bit of the dust off and writes his body and starts to survey the the scene of what's going on and he looks over to, to Garum chopping up the, uh, this, this mangled scorpion beast and he, he says to him real quickly, staying on the mission, just like I thought. Good guy. And as he's dusting himself off and cleaning up the blood. Glad you're okay. Yeah, he knew I would be. <laughs> Let's finish this up. As he looks over to Graf in the distance. Still concentrating. Still crackling with this blue and orange electricity. The witch bolt continues, and he sends another shock straight at the one he just defeated. But who's in between? So the other Dolgrim gets an attack. So with witch bolt, you can designate a point and just keep channeling electricity at it for up to a minute. That's two. So finally, the electricity fizzles, and you sort of see Graf just like not even realizing, did I hit? Did I miss? He was just like channeling this elemental force and just sort of... And then he realizes he's face to face with this um, creature, this twisted, dark, subterranean, homesick monster. So I'm going to move because I've got my move and my dash, so I can probably outrange him. No problem. But you attack me on the way, I assume? He tries to swing his morning star. The very pointy tips of the morning star crack off into your skin and you take three points of damage. <gasps> um, all right, I'll take that damage. Thank you. Graf is just so focused, he barely notices and just keeps moving. As you run off into the darkness towards your compatriots, you aren't quite sure what happens to the Dolgrim you left behind. We got more of these things coming. Trying to hack off this tail. I'm assuming it's pretty easy to do. It's twisted, but you manage to, yeah, pull it out, hack up the body, wriggle it out from underneath the cannon. And you can tell this arrow of truth has been mutated in more ways than one. The metal's bent, the silver sheen is gone, it's chipped on the sides. This thing is beyond recognition, beyond repair, if you didn't see it in its shining glory before you got here with a burst of lightning, you might not have even recognized it as anything at all. Whoops. Well, this has seen better days. Better hope there's not a reduction in price here for a reward. As there cleans up more blood from his lip. We'll, uh, we'll polish it up. So you stand in the rubble of this cannon and you can see this sewn together body has this twisted flesh about it. Graf, you notice that the skin and hide of this twisted corpse sculpture seems to bear a color and resemblance to the very leather as a journal you once found. Then you see, slowly burning and forming in the hide, handwritten letters and words. 
And is it in my handwriting? Yes. The hell? First he thinks it's the the gray, the just being near this dark energy is just twisting his mind. But then he realizes that Garam and Erd see it too. The rabble, day one. What the f- This is season one of Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War. DM'd by Alex LaFerrier, played by Andrew Gallagher, Ian Selig, and John Selig, and is an Orange Eyes creative work. This is one chapter of Episode 1, The Nightland, by Sean Merwin, written as a D&D Adventurers League campaign. Influence this game and story at eberronchronicles.com. Tune in next week when our adventurers encounter... That's a fake. Well, spit it out, puppy dog. Where is it? He's kind of saying that towards Garam. Why do you assume that I have it? Mother Johanna, this is great. Erd's excited. <laughs> kind of snaps out of it for a second and says, it'll work out and watches the fire. Thank you to these three. The chapel of the silver flame is complete. What are you doing? Pick whatever one you like. You knew it'd work out though, right? You knew I'd survive, right? He just winks and says, walk it off, Erd. There is a lot that I don't know, and I guess there's a lot they don't know about me, but we'll just have to see what happens. Subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Email the show directly at speakingstone at eberronchronicles.com. We really do read every email from the fans. You are our dragon shards, and keep this show powered.